our traditions as far as speaking and, and preaching and service schedules are good. Amen. But anytime the Lord wants to do what he wants to do, we need people that will follow after that. And so there were some things that you did tonight that I was really proud of. Amen. Are you ready to go to the word of the Lord? Joshua chapter 3. Amen. Come on. Does anybody feel the presence of the Lord in our worship? Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord, and I thank you for your worship. Joshua 3, verse 1, And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. Verse 2, And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest of the, Le- or priest, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place uh, and go after it. Somebody say, go after it. Verse 4, watch this, this is my focus verse. Yet there shall be a space, somebody say a space, between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. If I understand right, that's somewhere uh, just over a half a mile, uh, half a mile space or a little bit greater between you and it. Come not near unto it, watch, this is my focus part right here, that ye may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. Amen. In other words, God is getting ready to take you on a journey that you've never been on before. Amen. God is getting ready to do a new work in your life that you've never had God do before. Amen. And I, something about that just gets me excited. God is about to do a new thing. Somebody say a new thing. Amen. Let's jump down to verse 14. And it came to pass that the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark of the Covenant were come down to Jordan and the feet of the priest that bear the Ark were dipped into the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth his banks at the time of harvest that the waters which were come down from above. I'm just going to add lib verse 16. Basically, the waters that were flowing from the north, they were cut off. Amen. And the waters that were below the priest, they continued to flow until there was no more water. Amen. It's easier for me to just say it like that. They failed and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were clean passed over. Amen. I want to preach tonight and I want to reach deep into the heart, into the, the lives of each and every one of us here. How many of you have ever had a promise from God? Come on, let me see your hands. You got there's promises that are lingering over your life, over your ministry. Amen. How many have have uh, how many believe that this church has some promises? Amen. Lingering over this church. Amen. I want to try to preach to you and give you a a, a key principle for uh, seeing the miraculous and stepping into the promises of God. Why don't you set your Bibles down, and I want you to think of the greatest need that you have right now, the greatest pressing need, and I want you to lift your hands up to the Lord, and I want you to begin to pray and just throw that that need at His feet. Amen. And I want all of us to lift our hands uh, and begin to transition, if you would, uh, our minds to receive the, the promises of God and to the Word of God. Would you do that right now? Lord, we're so grateful and thankful to be in your house yet uh, another 
another service, God. This is the, the fourth service of this revival weekend, and Lord, it concludes uh, this revival. And I pray tonight that there will be anointing upon me to help me to speak uh, above my, my physical weakness right now, above, uh, Lord, my own abilities. Anoint me, God, to speak into people's lives tonight. I believe uh, your word is going to resurrect some promises in people's hearts, uh, Lord, that they have buried a long time ago. I pray, uh, Lord Jesus, tonight that you would strengthen, you would equip. Uh, I know that, God, you have positioned and postured people, Lord, on the edge of their seat, as it were, to step into the promises and to go deeper into the walk or to their relationship with you. And I ask tonight that there will be a great stirring and a great prompting from your word. And we give you thanks and we give you praise. And everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. High five the neighbor next to you. Come on, smile. Say, I'm so glad you're here tonight. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. And, and I believe that the young people, this is a youth week, youth uh, led night. And you, you all did amazing. And I'm so proud of each and every one of you that stepped up and let God use you. Amen. What is anticipation? Amen. What is anticipation? Perhaps anticipation could be defined in a pictorial type definition of uh, the young boy or the young girl laying in bed Eve of Christmas. Amen. Christmas Eve uh, sitting in their bed waiting what the morrow will hold. How many of you when you were kids, how many of you could not wait until Christmas morning? Amen. Does anybody get excited? Not just for a present or so, but just because uh, of what it all represents. Amen. The time uh, with the family. Amen. The food. And then, yes, the celebration of our Lord. Anybody anticipate Christ or Christmas? Anybody? Or am I just the only one? That was weak. You guys are sad over here in Connecticut. Hey, Amen. I like Christmas. Why is everybody pointing the pastor? <laughs> oh, he loves Christmas because his birthday is the day before. Amen. So he probably gets robbed on the gifts and, and all that stuff. Sister Tryon sees an opportunity, and she takes the opportunity. I'm not going to buy him both a birthday and a Christmas present. Amen. So, okay, may, maybe this, maybe anticipation is the moment uh, that you turned 16 and you could pursue uh, your driver's license. Amen. Maybe uh, as uh, in the, the case with Brother Cain, maybe it's the moment that he says, uh, I do. When, when is that coming down the pike anyway? July. Mercy. Amen. So maybe anticipation comes uh, in July where they hold hands uh, and they kiss for the very first time uh, as husband uh, and wife. Amen. I already told them six inches. Uh, make sure there's a space. We're talking about the space in between. Uh, amen. Let's make sure that we hold uh, that to be true. Amen. Did I give you my title, by the way, what I'm preaching tonight? Amen. I don't know if I did or not. But if not, I am preaching to you about the space in between. Amen. Uh, maybe when you bought your first car, you see as an avid archer, one that likes to hunt with his bow, uh, anticipation doesn't get any higher than when the calendar goes from October into November because I know it's just a matter of hours and days before the whitetail rut kicks in. Amen. As an avid fisher, amen, anticipation doesn't get any higher than when I know the largemouth and the smallmouth bass are beginning to spawn. Amen. Anticipation as a fisher doesn't get any higher when I step into the boat with pastor because I know 
know without a shadow of a doubt I will come out with more fish than he does. Amen. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking about anticipation. Anticipation for me didn't get any higher than April 12th and 13th when I roosted a big old tom in Iowa. And I went in the next morning and I was able to harvest this bird. I can tell by the looks on your face that probably none of you are outdoorsmen like I am. Maybe pastor is just a fisherman. Amen. Does anybody anticipate Black Friday shopping? All right, we got some. Okay, so now you get the idea of what anticipation uh, might be. Anticipation is this. It's excitement. Somebody say excitement. Come on, it's expectancy, it's momentum, it's sitting on the edge of your seat. Uh, come on, holding your breath with anticipation uh, of what is about ready to happen. I would say this, that perhaps anticipation could be defined uh, in our opening verse where the Bible is highlighting for us uh, Israel's, one of Israel's most defining moments as uh, the people of God. God has prepared them, amen. Uh, God has postured them to begin to walk uh, in their promise, amen, the promised land. Anticipation for them was their eyes looking forward at what God was about ready to do. Anticipation for them was uh, getting ready to move to the next level. Is anybody getting stirred as I talk about the promises uh, and anticipating the next level? I'm trying uh, purposely to entice you, amen, uh, advancing forward into their spiritual destiny, amen, this promise of uh, advancing or this promise that was lingering over them was lingering over them for I would say just over almost 500 years if I have uh, my math right it was first given to the patriarch Abraham in Genesis chapter 13 beginning with verse 14 he said God speaking Abraham I want you to look uh, at the place where your feet are northward southward eastward and westward and everything that you see uh, I will give it to you and your seed uh, here after amen and so uh, this promise since Genesis chapter 13 uh, verse 14 was lingering over the people of God for almost 500 uh, years 500 years uh, amen the wait uh, that one day they would advance into the land that God promised uh, the great patriarch Abraham to receive tonight uh, what God was speaking to Abraham uh, it required faith amen somebody say faith it required an uncanny faith that, that, that God spoke it and it was going to come to pass. When God told Abraham, he said, I want you to look at the dust of the earth. If you can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed be numbered. And then he says, look at the stars of the sky. If you can number the stars of the sky, then shall your seed be numbered. I don't know about you, but a promise of that magnitude, amen, it required faith. Amen. To receive what God was promising to Abraham required an uncanny belief that faithful is he that promises. Faithful is he that promises. In other words, every time Abraham got up uh, and he walked uh, to the washing pool uh, and he bent down to wash uh, his white gray 
beard, amen, at the years, uh, at years of 85 years of age, uh, amen, and he would look at himself in the washing pool. He was going to have to ignore all logic and all human perception. I am 85 years old, amen, and he's washing his faith, uh, his face, uh, amen, and by faith he was going to have to push aside what he was seeing in the looking mirror, amen. Uh, every time his wife passed by uh, with gray strands of hair in her hand uh, at the age of 75, uh, he was going to have to ignore the fact uh, that for 75 years she's had a barren womb, amen. Uh, and not only that, but now she's past the age of childbearing. Talking about faith. Faith, I will say this, if you have ever had a promise given to you, if God has ever spoken to you, tipped your eyes up to what's next on the horizon, tipped your eyes up to what he's doing in the spirit, my friends, it's going to require faith. It's going to require you to be able to ignore all logic. Amen. It's going to require you to ignore what you seek at face value when you look at the man in the mirror. It's going to have to cause you to ignore what, what you can put your finger on the puzzle piece, so to speak. You, my friend, if you're going to possess the promises of God, it's going to require faith and uncanny faith that you know what uh, I don't see how it's happening uh, but God's promised me amen uh, it doesn't make sense but God spoke it amen I, I have tried to do it I've tried to count the celestial skies and the bodies the stars of the heavens how many have ever tried to count the stars anybody come on I'm not the only cuckoo out there. That's good to hear. See, how many of you have ever tried to do that? You've tried to count that, and you look up. Uh, okay, let's find a reference point, uh, the nozzle of the Big Dipper, amen, uh, or not just the nozzle of the Big Dipper, maybe Orion's belt, uh, and you look and you find a place, uh, and you begin to count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nine. How many of you have ever picked up a handful of sand and think the thought about uh, the scripture where he said your, your seed shall be like the sand of the sea uh, and you try to look at each little particle of sand uh, and as you go to count the grain of sand you realize more sand is falling through the finger cracks uh, of your hands than what you are counting. Are you hearing uh, what I am saying? Uh, there are some things that you will never be able to calculate in your flesh uh, of how God is going to piece together his will for your life. Amen. Uh, the, the plans that he has for there's some things uh, that no matter how hard your flesh tries to calculate, uh, you will come up insufficient. So put it into perspective. Put it into perspective. The Bible said that when God sp spoke to Abraham, what Brother Cain wrote, read this this morning. He said, I'll revisit you again at the time of life. What was Sarah's response? you ever say something funny when somebody was taking a drink and they're like <laughs> and they try to hold their laughter in but it's too late I forget where I was eating 
I was eating so I was so embarrassed. Somebody said something and it triggered an immediate response in me. And I did one of those. It came. I started gurgling on my coke. It came out my nose. It went across the table. Somebody and I was so I could not control it. Amen. And that's what the Bible said Sarah did. And she laughs and the man says, why is she laughing? And she's like, I didn't laugh. Yeah, explain the goat milk all over your, your chin and running down your shirt. I didn't laugh. You know, it'd be equivalent to this, Brother Wiltshire. It'd be equivalent to me coming down uh, to Sister Tryon and walking in prophecy. And saying, Sissy, I feel the Holy Ghost is telling me to tell you, you need to prepare the nursery. No, 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 this isn't grandchildren or kids. Come on, do I have a witness over here in the left section? This isn't, this, this, listen, I am speaking in the spirit. I hear the sound of pitter-patter in your future, and it's your kids. Amen. You know what? I know Sister Tryon, she loves kids so much. She'll be like, yay, Lord, I receive it. But Brother Tryon, if he knew that I was walking in the Holy Ghost, he'd be like this. Huh? This is the idea of what it's like to hold a promise in your life uh, and to be uh, a promise keeper from God when God speaks. It can sometimes, the promises of God uh, can seem so far out there, uh, amen, uh, that when God speaks to you, uh, you're like Sarah and you spit goat milk up uh, and you laugh at it. Why? Because everything in the natural and everything around you says that is the absolute furthest thing uh, that could ever happen uh, in your life. Could you imagine with me, Sister Maria, two and a half, three months later, as they lay, Abraham and Sarah lay in their tent uh, at four in the morning. Uh, Sarah rolls over and she smacks her husband uh, and says, Abraham, hey, hey, what is it, woman? Why are you waking me at four in the morning? This better be good. Uh, and she says, oh, but you don't understand. Uh, I am craving. Uh, I need you to jump onto the fastest camel. Go down to the Hy-Vee mini market. Uh, I need you to get me some Trapani yogurt. Uh, hey, man, blueberries and some bacon. Uh, and he's like, woman, what is your? He throws on his, his fastest garment, jumps on the camel, runs down to the grocery store, flies back, cooks the bacon. And all of a sudden, he walks back into the tent. He walks back in and says, I've cooked your bacon. Here is the food. And all of a sudden, she says, oh, get that out of here. I can't stand the smell of bacon. I'm going to get sick. See, we're laughing because it's comical, but could you imagine, could you imagine what happened to Abraham and Sarah the moment uh, they realized uh, that they were pregnant with promise, uh, that God is faithful, that promises. Uh, can you imagine the joy that came over them uh, when they realized uh, that this entire time, uh, I just thought God was toying with my emotions. Uh, I just thought God was saying it to be funny, uh, but now we're pregnant with promise uh, and we're going to have a child. 
Just like God said, I'm telling you right now, if you have a promise in your life, a promise in your ministry, it's going to require faith, an uncanny faith. The faithful is he that promises. I don't know how it's going to happen, but God said it's going to happen. I don't know how my children are going to come back, but God's promised me. I don't know how my wayward husband's going to get back, but God spoke it. I don't see the vision of the church, but I know God spoke it to me. God, I'm going to believe you and I'm going to trust you contrary contrary to everything that I see and I feel I'm telling you faithful is he that promise you know what I saw this tonight as I looked around and I watched your worship I see some people that knows what it's like to have the promises of God you know what it's like to hold that but right now you can't fathom it why? Because it looks like you've gone the opposite direction of the promises of God. You, you're, you're frustrated because you can't perceive that God is even working in your life. You're frustrated because when you look around, it's almost like Abraham washing his face in the washing pool, looking at the gray hair, thinking, yeah, okay, I'm going to have my own child. Get real, God. Come on, I've come to promise you or come to stir up the promises that God has promised you. Faithful is he that promises. Faithful is he that promises. The promises hanging over your life, this church, our ministries has nothing to do whether or not you can put the pieces together. God can bring the pieces together like he did in Joseph's life in a moment of time when God took Joseph into Egypt as far as away from the promise and the calling on his life. Amen. All it took was one dream. Dream, and God lined up the stars and put it in the motion. What are you trying to say? Believe God. Believe God. Don't look around in the physical. Don't try to comprehend it. Just know that God spoke it to you. Amen. Faithful is he that has promised. Amen. And so this stirring in our scripture in Joshua lets us know. Let's us know that there's two things happening. For the children of Israel. The Jordan River was the last true obstacle standing in the way between the wilderness of wandering and God's promised land. And in our opening scripture text, there's a stirring inside the congregation because God has now brought Israel right back to the place where they were standing about 40 years prior. This position of where they're standing at in our scripture where they're abiding at, has both a positive and a negative connotation. It's positive because this stirring in the camp, as the elders or the officers are going through the camp and saying, uh, when you see the Ark of the Covenant pass by, you're to go after it. Uh, pick up your tents and move forward. This stirring lets us know that there is forward momentum. Forward momentum. And anticipation in the camp. I, I will say this. I can't think of anything more important in a congregation than forward momentum. You know why pastors don't like to cancel on snow days? Only Brother Tryon because that means he's out plowing and he loves to plow. <clears throat> you know why pastors don't like to cancel on snow days? Because a snow day has the ability to affect sp spiritual forward momentum. 
and a pastor will fight as much as he can to generate forward momentum in a congregation. You know why? Because when there's forward momentum in the congregation, people can't wait to get to church. When there's forward momentum in the congregation, the gift of faith is almost Almost at, at arm's reach every service. Why? Because people have momentum. They're on the edge of their seat uh, and their eyes are tipped up to what God's ready to do and where God is taking them and what God is, is trying to do in the congregation and individuals' lives. And so momentum. But I have seen this when momentum peaks and, and momentum begins to climb in a congregation, you can almost count on it that there will be an outburst of flesh. Huh? Come on. There will be an outburst of flesh. And what tries to happen is this, is when there's great spiritual momentum and the pendulum swings this way, there will be an outburst of flesh that's a manifestation of a spiritual discomfort. Amen. The spirit realm that doesn't like what's going on in the congregation. And so it will begin to try to attack vessels in the church. Amen. To slow down the progress. And so when spiritual momentum is swinging at its greatest, it gets all the way up here. And then you'll see little pockets or outbursts of flesh. I can't tell you how many times uh, pastors have called me weeks uh, before the revival and they say, you know what Aaron, uh, we wanted you to come for Pentecost Sunday and just preach, uh, but here just I want you to take your liberty. I want you to, and they'll talk in this code and I know exactly what they're saying. Uh, what they're saying is hell's getting ready to break loose. You know why? Because there's a spiritual momentum and there's a spiritual shift uh, and you'll see it. That it'll just unloose on the whole church uh, and what that does is try to draw back the spiritual pendulum of momentum in the congregation I've told you I've, I've done my best to start putting responsibility where it belongs and it's not all pastor's job to hold momentum I preached my guts out this morning to, to everybody in this church about our responsibility. You have a responsibility. You know what I think? How cool would it be if it wasn't just pastor talking about God's promises for your life and God's promises for the church? How cool would it be if every time we came to church, we were all talking about what God is doing and, and how God is moving and where God is taking us? Amen. We need to be protectors of spiritual momentum. Amen. We need to be protectors of the momentum in the congregation. Uh, don't leave that up to your pastor. What, what am I trying to say? When you come to church and you feel a little negative vibe from somebody, why don't you just say, you know what, Jesus is awesome and smile. Amen. We can kill. You know the saying, kill, kill, kill them with kindness. Uh, amen. Why don't we just stop negativity in their tracks uh, with positive thinking? Uh, why don't we become the protectors uh, of spiritual momentum? In other words, uh, let there be a vibe across the congregation let there be chit chat hey I can't wait to get back to church I can't wait to see what God's going to do God is doing great things speak about momentum and then it's negative where they're standing because the last time they stood here that's when 10 of the 12 spies came back and what did they do they gave a negative report for the first time in the, the, the history of the word of God, if I understand it right, they came back. Now, you got to understand how, how nutso this, this is. They went out into the promised land. They observed that it was exactly like God said it was. And when they came back, they had a cluster of grapes on the shoulders between two men. They were literally carrying the promise of God. 
They were carrying the promises of God back to the congregation. And when they get there, this is what they say. It's just like God promised us. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. But they didn't stop there. Sister Maria said it. They began to speak outside of their destiny, their God-given prophetic destiny, amen, that happened for them in Exodus 15, uh, where, where they began to sing in a prophetic mode of what the adversaries uh, was beginning to think of them on the outside looking in. They spoke outside of their prophetic destiny, and they said, but we are not able, amen. Why? Because there's giants in the land. Uh, there's walled cities, and we were grasshoppers in our own sights, uh, and we were grasshoppers uh, in their sights. I tell you tonight... Uh, that God did not send them into the promised land uh, to go into the promised land and bring back their opinion uh, of whether or not they were able. Amen. They were to go into the promised land, get the grapes, bring back, uh, and tell them it was exactly like God said. The promises are exactly like God said. And so at a place of critical momentum, ten spies spoke outside of God's will and what happened to the pendulum. It didn't just come back to balance. He said, for 40 years, you're going to wander in the wilderness. And 40 years later, they're standing right back at the same spot. And this time, you know what Joshua said? He's like, you're not even going to open up your mouth. You're not going to speak. Basically, just shut up. What we're going to do is we're going to cross over, and we're going to walk around Jericho one time each day with your sword and your, 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 your swords, and you're not going to say one word. Why? Because we're not going to take the chance again to miss the opportunity of what God is doing. In other words, if you don't have nothing good to say about the momentum and God's promises, don't say nothing at all. I want to be the opposite. I want to be like Joshua and Caleb that says, you know what? God spoke it. It's going to come to pass. I believe God for anything. I believe God for everything. You know, Brother Aaron Bounds told me a couple years back, he said, Aaron, he said, regret teaches a far greater lesson than discipline does any day of the week. You know why? Because you can discipline somebody that's not sorry. And they will only go right back to the mess. They will take the belt whooping. They'll take the grounding, the punishment. They'll take whatever it is that comes, but they'll go back if they're not sorry. But something happens when when there's a situation in your life that causes true anguish and regret. Amen. There's something about regret that can dig deep like a mole in your yard. Amen. And it causes you never to want to be that way or do that again or to act like that again. I learned something in, in high school, in grade school. And that lesson I learned, probably one of the few lessons I learned in high school, was that if I didn't pass the test, I would have to take it again and that's why I was a senior sitting in class with a bunch of eighth and ninth graders don't judge me <laughs> if I didn't pass the test I would have to take it again and I see the same I see the same uh, pattern in the word of God Where'd God bring them? He brought them right back to the place where they failed the test. 
where they failed the test of spiritual momentum and believing what God was doing in their life. And for 40 years is a long time, my friends. Amen. And for 40 years to have regret sting in your spirit, this time when they came back, they came back to the to the Jordan River. They weren't going to make the same mistake again. They were going to pass this test. And so there's two instructions. Israel would remain at the place of education until they could pass that test. And so with that in mind, we see. We see a spiritual understanding, I think I can use that term, and that is this, that God is very intentional about his plan and purpose in your life. He's very intentional about what he does in our lives. In this intention, I think intentionality, if I could use that, you see and we will see that God brings them right back to the place where he can try his will in their life again. And as with Israel, the times of moving forward will always require us to trust in him because there will be an element of the next step. There will be an element of you moving forward with God that will require God to bring it to pass. In other words, in the promises of God, there will always be a space where you have done everything you can do. And to accomplish it, you're going to have to rely on God to do what you cannot do. In other words, if God doesn't show up, it will never happen. And so there's two instructions. One is this, when the ark passes you by, you are to remove from your tents and go after it. There, if there was ever any, anybody in Scripture that embodied this idea of go after it, I would say it was Caleb. I would say that it was Caleb. What did Caleb say to Joshua when they passed over? What, do you remember when he, he came back to Caleb and he or to Joshua, excuse me, and he said this. He said, you know what? I am I am 85 years old. I am 85 years old. And Mo Moses promised me that mountain right there. Amen. But because of the people I had to wander in the wilderness, 40 years have passed in my life. But now that we are here again, he says this, give me my mountain. Amen. Let me possess the promised land. Let me walk in my inheritance. Let me see what God has placed upon my life. If anybody had the spirit of to go after it, it was Caleb, amen, and that is the man that I believe that we need to pattern our lives after, amen, God, you have spoken things into my life, my ministry, this church, I am going to go after it, I'm going to pursue it, I'm going to look at it, I'm going to have my eyes checking it out, what you are doing, God, amen, you know, I would say this, that the unction, the unction of moving forward is not just for a younger generation, 
especially at 85 years old when, when Caleb says, take me and give me my mountain. Amen. As a matter of fact, I, I, I won't call you out, but there's somebody in here that you're, 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 in the, the, you're, you're older than I am. Amen. So you're probably in your close to your 50s, and I have watched you this entire revival, and there's something in your spirit that is exactly like Caleb. It's saying, you know what? I want everything that God has for me. Amen. And that hasn't always been the case in their life. Amen. But God is doing a new thing. God is stirring. God is posturing people, amen, uh, to be who he's called them to be. And I am so thankful that this person, amen, uh, has that go get it attitude. Uh, I'm going to be involved. Uh, I'm going to keep the pendulum of the spirit uh, at full momentum. Amen. And the second instruction as I hurry to a close. The second instruction was that when they had the ark pass them by, they're to pick up their tent stakes, they're to pack up their families, they're to get all their belongings, and they're to walk after and follow after the ark of the covenant. The only instructions were that they were to leave a space between the ark of the covenant. Why? That they may see the way in which they should go. Because where God is taking them, they have never been before. And so it was a lesson that God wanted the children of Israel to observe. You still with me tonight? It was a lesson that God wanted them to learn. And so he said, stay back about a half a mile. And you watch, you watch. When you watch the priest bearing the ark, you're going to see a key principle into possessing the promised land. And the Bible says uh, that they watched uh, from they watched the priest uh, from a, a little over a half a mile distance, and they watched as the priest did this. Uh, the priest marched right to uh, the river Jordan. The river Jordan overflowed at this time of harvest, uh, and so they walked right to the obstacle, Amen. That was standing in between them and their promise uh, and as they walked to the obstacle the Bible says uh, that they did not stop but as the priest took a step uh, and their feet touched the brim of the water all of a sudden uh, when the priest did everything they could do uh, God stepped in and began to do what only God could do uh, and God shut off the flow of the water amen uh, and then he let the waters go by uh, and so here's what we observe uh, God was very intentional and he was trying to tell Israel I want you to stand back and watch what happens uh, this is how you're to live your life in the promised land. This is how you're to advance. Just watch what happens with the priest. And the priest walk right down. They didn't stop at the obstacle. They took a step into the obstacle. And when they did what they could do, God did what only God could do. And so here is the lesson of advancing in your life. That when you do everything you can do, amen, God will start working and doing what only God can do. There will always be a space. Somebody hold up your fingers and make a little space. There will always be a space between uh, your final efforts and where God is leading you. And that margin, that space will only be accomplished or fulfilled by God's power working in your life. The distance between where God is leading us and where we are will require a new level of trust, a new level of faith. But God is faithful, and God will do it. Sister Jess, come.
I have seen a lot of times <clears throat> where God is leading people forward. God is leading people into the next next phase of their life or their walk with God or ministry or whatever you'd have, it, however you would term it. And there's always an obstacle. There's always something that stands in the way. And I have seen it so many times where people will come right up to the point of obstacle. And they will stop and they'll turn back. And years later, God will bring them right back to that place where he's trying to get them to cross over. They'll stop and they'll turn back. The lesson and the principles of the miraculous in possessing the promise is you do everything you can do and you trust in God to do what you cannot do. I could, I could have laid it out. I, I could have followed and found all kinds of scriptures of this principle. Do you ever wonder why Jesus said, roll away the stone to Lazarus? Huh? If you had resurrection power, why didn't you just say stone be removed? Because there will always be a requirement upon us that we can do everything that we can do before we see the miraculous do what only the miraculous can do. I preached about it Friday, Thursday night. The prophet told the widow, you go borrow all the vessels that you can find from all your neighbors. And when you borrow all the vessels, you shut yourself in, you shut the door, and you begin to pour out. If you have that much power and influence with God, why didn't you just make the oil appear in new vessels? Because you do everything that you can do. And then God will do what only God can do. You would think that if you had the power to turn water into wine, you would have just said wine appear in the vessels. But no, 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 no. Jesus said, go get water. Pour it into the vessels. Amen. If you do what you can do, then I will step in and I will do what only I can do. You know, let's all stand here tonight. Let's bring down the volume just a little bit. When, when God called my wife and I into full-time evangelism, we felt the green light. We felt God give us a yes. God worked out just things in that regards. I went from preaching once a month in my local assembly to 18 to 24 times a month. That was a lot of church. That was a big difference, a big adjustment. And as we stepped out in faith, God booked three and a half months solid for my wife and I. Three and a half months where it was like God said, I got your back. But it was on December 6th, 2015, where my wife and I left Dallas, Texas and was driving home 20 hours. And when we left Dallas, Texas, we preached for the last time. And for four and a half months, we had no bookings and no schedule. We were looking at a spiritual deficit. I termed it like this. It was like, Pastor, I crossed over the Jordan, and now I'm looking at Jericho. Financial giants. Had no idea. 
we were driving home late that night and, and we just had come to the point, all right? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what God is doing. I, I, I really, I can't. I, I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. All I know is, is I have been working since I was 12. I'll go back and I'll get a job. And I'll supplement income until the time comes that I get more bookings. Driving by the, the skyline of Nashville, coming north, God spoke to me and said, Aaron, you're not going to get a job. I said, okay. What am I going to do? And I told Jess, I said, Jess, God spoke to me and told me that I'm not going to get a job. She said, oh, okay. So what are you going to do? I said, I have no idea. I've never been this way before. I've never faced what I'm facing before. This is a new thing God's starting in me. I've never, I've never had to walk this path before. You hearing what I'm saying? I've never been here before. And then I followed up with this. My friend, I said this to my wife. I said, you know what, Jess? We've never been here before. But something tells me that if I trust in God with everything and I lean on him like I've never leaned on him before that we're going to be okay and that's exactly what I told her I said we're going to trust in God like we've never trusted in him before and God's going to bring I don't know I don't have the answers I can't tell you how it's all going to come to pass but if I trust in God I know that he has our back amen it was the next night and I know you know the story I told it probably years ago but the next night we got home late at night I did the only logical thing and I went to the munchie cabinet and I began to pick out as she went through a stack of mail this big and all of a sudden she said wow did I hear that right over the crunching of the chips? I'm not sure. And so I turned around and I looked and she handed me a letter. And I began to read the letter. And the letter said this. Uh, we're so thankful for your ministry. And we, we wish you a Merry Christmas. This came through the offering of our church. Uh, and it was a sign to go to you. Uh, amen. So we wish you a Merry Christmas. We love you. I flipped it over. And there was a check written for $5,200. Uh, enough money to get me through four and a half months uh, of downtime. What are you trying to say? It's okay if you can't figure it out. Uh, just try. Trust in God. You do everything that you can do to make the promise happen. And when you've done everything, there will still be a margin of the miraculous and a margin where if God doesn't step in, it won't happen. Amen. I preach to you tonight that if you take the step, your obstacle, hear me, your obstacles will become your doorways. on to every one of you that raised your hands and said I felt the promises of God. I want you to begin to make your way to this altar. Amen. I want you to begin to begin I want you to begin to stir and cultivate the promises in your life. Amen. Maybe God spoken to you 20 years ago. It's not dead. It's not buried. God can still bring it to pass.